unusual for me. I don't often, uh, when I preach, I don't often preach about the devil. Uh, we're not to pay all of our attention to him. Uh, but the Bible does tell us to be wary of our adversary, and he is indeed our adversary. And uh, if you have your Bibles and you want to turn there, I'm going to be taking some scripture from uh, the book of First Peter in chapter 5. And I'm, I would like to think that this is a scripture that is familiar, or at least you've heard it before. You may not know this exact one. And uh, it's First Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 is what we're going to be looking at. And uh, then I want to turn over into Ephesians chapter 6. And uh, we'll actually end things out in the book of Revelation. And you'll also note, if you've heard me preach more than a handful of times, I don't often preach out of the book of the Revelation. And it's not because that I'm scared of it or anything. I, I think that the, the explanation for the book of the Revelation is quite simple. We win. Yes, That's right. it. We win. Hallelujah. We win. Okay? Uh, and and Peter in this, you know, when he's talking to the early church, you got to remember that these were people that uh, they, a lot of them didn't have the benefit of having seen the bodily resurrected Christ. And I'll tell you now, that'll change a person. As you can see in Peter, that before he met the resurrected Christ, he ran from those that he thought might kill him. And then we find him in the book of Acts, says that tonight before his execution, he had to get woken up by the angel that was a busting him out of jail. He was sleeping soundly. And it was because that he met the resurrected Christ and he thought, you know what? They killed Jesus and they did their worst to him and he got back up. What can they do to me? And, and, and we need to remember though the, the words that Peter gives here. And I've always said that anytime you sit down and read the Bible, you need to be looking for a commandment. You need to be looking for a promise and you need to be looking for a warning. Well, tonight it would fit in the category of a warning. You see, because the devil, while he does have power, he's more powerful than we are. His power is limited, whereas God's is not. Uh, uh, that he has to go up and down and to and fro when he stood before God in the book of Job. Uh, uh, he said, I've been going up and down uh, and to and fro. God doesn't have to because uh, he sees it all, all the time. He knows it all, all the time. Satan is not equal and opposite to God. He's just in opposition of God. Uh, uh, but he is a defeated foe. Uh, uh, he has no power uh, other than that which we surrender to him. He's an occupier of unoccupied territory. And I, as I've said many times over uh, these prevailing weeks that I've been coming here, uh, is that I can tell you that nobody accidentally uh, makes it to heaven. Uh, that when people make it to heaven, uh, they'll look around and they'll say, I'm here but for one reason. Uh, and that's because of the blood of the Lamb. Uh, it's not because uh, uh, that I accidentally did it uh, or who my parents were uh, or how much money I gave uh, or anything like that. Uh, but rather it's the blood of the Lamb. But it's purposeful. Oh, yes. We have to exercise our will to follow our Lord and Savior yeah. Jesus Christ. And so Peter here now, notice what he says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. He says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, 
whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Uh, that he looked at him and he said, look, uh, you've got to have your wits about you. Uh, every step you take, uh, make sure that it's sure footing. Uh, uh, that I'm taking this walk alive. Uh, uh, that any time that I find myself on something, uh, when I see one of those caution wet floor signs, uh, especially as I've gotten older, uh, I'll be walking along and I see that. Uh, and I start taking more deliberate steps. Uh, being just a little bit more careful holding on if I have to uh, because of fall with the ground uh, it hurt me a lot more now uh, than it would have 20 years ago uh, and what Peter's saying is he's saying look uh, if you don't want to fall uh, don't walk in slippery places uh, if you don't want uh, uh, to fall to temptation uh, and to sin uh, uh, then you have a willful walk uh, you be careful uh, and you know that you have an adversary because I can tell you, I remember in school there was an instance in which that there was this boy, he decided to bully me. And he was well able to accomplish this task. But I wasn't, even at 12 years old, I wasn't the type to just hump up and take it. And I stood up to him, but I scared to death of him. And don't think that this is one of those happy ending stories. I ended up getting beat up at the end of this one. But I remember that I was afraid and he ran me around all over the place uh, and, and just dogged every step that I took. Uh, I was looking over my shoulder constantly for him. Uh, but after the day uh, that I stood with him face to face uh, and resisted him, uh, I was no more afraid uh, uh, because uh, that I'd stood up uh, and made myself less of a target. Uh, and church, let me tell you something. Uh, uh, we're supposed to resist the devil uh, uh, steadfast in the face uh, and that he will flee from us. But a lot of times what we do, it says he walketh about as a roaring lion seeking him whom he may devour. And a lot of times it's like, well, just let him sit there and chew on us. He might not be devouring, but he's there and, and he just keeps a, a gnawing and a chewing and a trying to get through and will kindly just shove him off uh, uh, or maybe take a step one way or the other uh, rather uh, than grabbing him right by the beard uh, and piercing him through uh, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, when we say, get behind me uh, in the name of Jesus Christ, uh, you have no power over me. But a lot of times what happens now, and here's, here's how the devil will sneak in, is that he'll begin to find a kernel of doubt in you. Oh yeah. And church, let me clarify this. He don't read your mind. Right. The devil does not have that ability. But he is a student of human behavior. Oh, yeah. He can figure out what you're thinking. And when you go to flapping them gums and not speaking blessings, well, he'll take that and run with it. You should never speak cursings over your home, over yourself. You should never put a limit on your lifespan because God has that power, not you. And the devil would love to take that doubt and begin to try to grow it up into something that will knock down your faith. And what he'll do is he'll come in with his half-truths. Oh, yes. And a half-truth, it's got a nice little 
truth frosting, but underneath it's an absolute lie. And that's where Satan works at. He'll try to disturb you. He'll try to steal your joy and your peace. If he can't make you mad, he'll get you depressed. If he can't stop you, he'll put his hand in his back and push you until you fall flat on your face. I've seen and had it happen to me many different times. And what Peter is saying is, look, don't let him run you any farther than what you're ready to go. Uh, uh, resist him uh, with everything that's in you uh, and be able to recognize his stink when he comes around. This is a cautionary note uh, for us to be aware because a lot of people in this world, they run around and they're like, oh no, I don't have any enemies. If you're a Christian, I know of at least one. And that is Satan. And he is after your credibility. If he can't stop you, he'll do everything he can to take away your credibility. I remember years ago, I was out at a, at a Lowe's store. And I just started preaching. What, what, you know, I wasn't really what I would have called much of a preacher at that time. And uh, I was walking along and I came upon this fellow and he was looking at me like he knew me. I had no clue who he was. Looked him right in the face and eyes. I did not recognize him. And he came walking up and said, Well, howdy, Brother Jeremiah. And I thought, Oh, well... Hello. At that time, I was socially unequipped to look at him and say, you've got me at a loss, mister. I don't, uh, I don't know who you are. And, uh, you know, he talked and mentioned something that I'd preached on the previous Sunday. And I thought, my, my. If I'm out and I let myself slip, there's people out there that I don't even know that they know me, but they do. And the Lord used that moment uh, uh, to reiterate this in my heart. Be sober and be vigilant. Uh, because I tell you, uh, uh, brothers and sisters, you really wouldn't have to hang around me very long to see me mess up uh, or to find fault with me. Uh, trust me, they're not, e- they're not difficult to find. Uh, just talk to Sister Crystal for five minutes. Uh, she can tell you all about me at my worst. Uh, I've always said, uh, as long as she can amen me when I'm in the pulpit, uh, I feel like I'll be alright because she's seen me uh, uh, when that I've lost all pretense uh, and all intelligence. Uh, she's seen me get angry and upset. Uh, but I can tell you this, uh, uh, God still loves you even in those moments, uh, even in your worst times. Uh, he still loves you even though the devil will come along and say, oh, you went too far this time. You shouldn't have said that when some Christian you are And he begins to attack your faith. He loves to kick a Christian while that they're down. But he'll also, now he'll bring up railing accusations against you. To where that people will say, yeah, but I heard this about them. I can tell you, people love a good scandal, especially on a Christian. I'm telling you that in the news, anytime that a minister falls, uh, they'll publicize it greatly. Uh, but I can tell you this, uh, you show me one that's fell, uh, I'll show you 50 that haven't, uh, that are steadfast uh, in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, and that's where we need to be. Uh, steadfast, uh, knowing uh, that while that we may not have uh, everything defeated, we're still in the fight. Yes, Because that's important. The moment that you stop fighting, that's the moment that the devil will begin to try to move in and occupy unoccupied territory. 
And so Peter told them, he said, look, you've got to be careful. You've got to be willful that every step, every look, everything that you do has to be careful. And I kind of think about it like after the pandemic begun. I, I, I'm sure you all remember because it wasn't that long ago, but man, the world just got flipped and turned upside down. And we were walking around and you'd reach out to touch a door handle and kind of pull your hand back. Wait a minute, what's on that, what's on that door handle there? I might ought to grab that with my sleeve there and squirt myself down with hand sanitizer. Worried about being clean. Now you imagine if you took that same approach to sanctification. Where that you look around and say, you know, I might not ought to be walking here. This is an awfully slippery looking place. I might not ought to be watching that show. Uh, uh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Little hands, what you do. If we begin to, to really uh, internalize uh, and decide to be sanctified uh, before the Most High God, uh, I guarantee you that you'll be changed. Because we should walk about in this world as concerned about sin as what we were COVID-19. Oh, yes. Because while COVID-19 might destroy this body, uh, sin uh, will cause it to go to hell. Uh, sin will cause it uh, uh, to stray from God uh, and to get in a worse shape uh, than you ever thought about being in. And Peter was cautioning about this. And you remember, you know, follow the guidelines. Stand six feet apart. <laughs> Uh, wear that mask, use hand sanitizer, and all of these other public service announcements and everything, and everybody was running around. And, and, and the interesting thing that I saw was it actually, the result of this is there have been rifts in families and friends and churches. You come back too soon. Somebody got COVID in the church house and all of these things. And I, I, I told a group of people, one that looked at me and said, well, Brother Jeremiah, don't you agree that it should be faith over fear? And I said, well, absolutely. I said, but also, I'm still going to look both ways before I cross the street. And they said, well, you, I, I'm talking about COVID-19. I said, I am too. And I said, God give us enough sense to be careful. Yes. God give us enough sense that when I pull out on the road, I still look to see if a car's a coming. Or should I just throw her in gear and say, well, faith over fear, Lord. I reckon you'll keep that other car from hitting me. I mean, you think about how absurd that is when we take things to the nth degree. It's the same as, yes, we know that God will deliver us from temptation. And we pray, and have you ever prayed this? God, put a hedge of protection around my kids. I've prayed it lots. Oh, yes. Lord showed me something a while back. He said, show them how to stay in the hedge. Show them to stay inside the yard where I can and will protect them because when they go to cover themselves with sin, they'll get out from under His protection and things will happen, hopefully just to scare them back in. Because I remember with my little kids, when they were scared, I didn't have to say, now get daddy's hand. A lot of times I'd just about have to peel them off my leg. And that's the way we are, you know. We're real close to God when we're scared, when we're upset, when we're sad, depressed, whatever that it is. But He wants us to be that close all the time. You know, me, now there's been lots of times I'd look at the kids and say, get off of me. You're killing me. You're, you're, you're crushing me. Both of my daughters and my wife. My son's not so bad for this. But all three of them, they'll sit down next to me on a couch and they'll lean in. 
and I'll look around and my spine will have an S shaped in. And I'll be like, you got to let up on me. I love you, but get off of me. But God's not like that. God's saying, no, closer still. Climb right up in my lap. Seek my face. Hold my hand. Hold to me so that your adversary, when he comes around, he can't cross the blood. He can't get to you if you're with the Father. But I can tell you, you'll get in trouble when you get stray out away from the Father. Because that devil, he walks, walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Years ago, Dad had me and my brothers working on a paper route. You know the cliche, but I'll tell you it's true from personal experience about dogs and paper boys. <laughs> we worked up in Barbersville there, Guyana States. I'd never seen anything like it. I'd always lived in the head of a holler. I hardly knew what a street was. You know, I thought Wayne was a big city. And we got out there in that guy in the States, that housing development where the houses are right on top of each other and everything. Like I said, I'd never seen anything. I was nine, ten years old. And I'd watched a lot of Bugs Bunny growing up. And there was one episode of Bugs Bunny where that he encounters a lion in a cage. And he gets a little close to the cage and that lion rawr, reaches out and tries to scratch him and everything. And he jumps back and then goes to laughing at it because it can't get to him. He grabs a board nearby and just goes to rattling the bars of the cage back and forth and a laughing at it and everything until he gets down and realizes the door's open. And then he knows he's in trouble. And I had this in my mind when I come up to a fence and there was a dog. I mean, he's a big old dog. He's big to me at that time. He might, might have been a chihuahua, but to me, he was big. And he loved to get after people. And this is one of the first times I'd ever seen him. And you know how it is. I, I was busy rolling a paper up, getting ready to toss it on the porch. And that dog, I mean, he didn't make a sound until he got to that fence. Thankfully, there was a fence. And he, bam, and runs into that fence and, roll, 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 gives that just earth-shattering bark, you know. And I, I, I felt the life drain out of me. I thought that this soup bone of a boy, because I might have weighed 90 pounds at the time, I thought I was going to be his new chew toy. Unfortunately, he couldn't come through the fence. And I got comfortable. And I loved to pester that dog. I'd see him come because he scared me. I wanted to get back at him, so I'd pester him. Every time I'd come down there to deliver that paper. And just like old Bugs Bunny, though, there was one day that i come down there and I would. I'd kind of rattle that fence on him and then jump back as he was trying to get at me and everything. And I was doing that and hitting the fence as I went along. I'm sure the people that owned that dog, if they'd seen me done that, they'd have probably wanted to kick my rump. And I seen that gate standing open down at the end. And suddenly I got motivated to get down there and get that gate closed. Because I knew if that dog got out of there, there was no defense for me. There was no ability for me to fight that dog off. I couldn't keep it off of me. And you see, that's the way the devil is. Our only defense is to not get entangled with him to begin with. You see, because a lot of times what we do is the devil puts out bait. He sets it out for us. You see, the thing about temptation is it's stuff you want. (laughs) That's why it's tempting. And that's what he does. And then he's like that buddy you had in school that'll say, no, no, go ahead and do it. It's all right, I'll watch you up for you. And then as soon as you do it, they turn around and tell on you. And that's the way the devil is. And then he'll say, you went too far. You can't get forgiveness for that one. You've done that sin once too often. 
That's a lie. This word right here tells me that I can get forgiveness. That we have an advocate with the Father. And all we have to do is come and repent. And that doesn't mean throw out a token, I'm sorry. I can tell you as a middle school teacher, I hear that a lot. I'll tell a kid, get out of that. Don't do that, sorry. And I'll look at him and say, no you're not. And I don't need your vomited apology. What I need is for you to do better. And a lot of times, oh, that's the way we are with God. We'll sin and we'll say, sorry. Yeah. It's every intention of going right back to it the next opportunity that presents itself. Oh, yeah. True repentance is filled with sorrow. Yes. And a Christian needs to know how to repent. Amen. Not to say, well, you know, I'm better than these people over here. Mm. I'm, I'm doing well. I'm a preacher. It's real easy for you to begin to make excuses. Oh, yeah. All the while, the devil is chewing on you. Oh, yes. Rather than you saying, God, I need this sin dealt with. Yes. And I can't deal with it. And you see, Paul and his advice, and we're going to turn over there now into the book of Ephesians in chapter 6. He gave some good advice. Now, he, uh, he also gives a warning. And it says in Ephesians 6, verse 10, this is his closing remarks to the Ephesians. He says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And he sums it all up. He says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Because here's what we're fighting against. Now I want you to pay attention to what he says here. This was not accidental and this was divinely inspired. He says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We a lot of times look around and we see our adversary as human beings. Our adversary is not human beings. A person that's lost and in sin, they're not your adversary. They're an opportunity for you to lead somebody to Christ. And Paul is saying, look, you're fighting against Nero, the Roman emperor at the time. And he said, I'm telling you that you're fighting against the devil. Because he goes on and says, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness, in high places. That what he's telling them is he's saying they are spiritually wicked. And I can tell you, Nero was spiritually wicked. His favorite pastime was having Christians killed. But he was only serving his father, the devil. And the devil is the main adversary. In another place, Paul said, Everywhere that I would do good, evil was right there, dogging every step. And it was the same with Jesus. Don't think that it's not the same with you. Unless you're not in opposition to the devil. Uh-huh. Adrian Rogers told a story that I thought was pretty interesting. He preached a similar message to this at one point and said that he got done, you know, talking about opposing the devil and coming face to face with the devil and really just having to duke it out with him. And this elderly lady comes up to him right after the service and says, Brother, says, I ain't never had that happen to me. I've never come face to face with the devil. I've never fought with the devil like that. I don't believe a word of what you said. And he said, he looked at her and said, well, it might be because you and him's going the same direction that you ain't run into him face to face. 
you got to be careful. Uh, a lot of times we think, uh, oh, it's quiet on all fronts. Uh, that must mean I'm doing right. Uh, or uh, it's that you've been deceived uh, and you're thinking that everything's okay. Because Paul, he told him, he said, look, we're wrestling not against flesh and blood. But against spiritual things. Against the things that are not easily seen. Because I can tell you, and I've heard people say this, uh, oh, I don't believe uh, uh, that the devil would do his best to keep my car from starting to keep me from getting to church. Really? You don't think he'd do something that simple? And sometimes, I think we just need to learn how determined we are. Yeah. Because I can tell you another observation I made after COVID-19 was it was an awfully, awfully convenient excuse to not come to church. It was an awful convenient excuse uh, uh, to not do a lot of things. Uh, and our world is the worse off for it. Uh, but let me tell you this, it's going to get worse uh, and worse. Uh, but I know that there's a God in heaven uh, uh, that will be able to stand. Uh, uh, that Jesus said uh, that they that endure until the end, uh, the same shall be saved. Not might be uh, or could be or ought to be, uh, but shall be. And then Paul goes on here after it, he said put on the whole armor of God and then he goes, he, he, he doesn't leave that one hanging. He doesn't leave it as a mystery and say, well now what is the full armor of God? Here it is. It says in verse 13, Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Not accidentally, willfully, purposefully. And he says in verse 15, or verse 14, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. You see, Jesus said that in the last days there would be false prophets and false Christs that would arise and deceive the very elect if it were possible. And the only way that it's not possible if you know the truth. There's a, there's a lady that I've gone to church with for years. She used to work in a bank. And I went to asking her about counterfeit money. And I said, what kind of courses did they, did they take you through? Did they tell you about all the different ways that people counterfeit money? And she said, no. Didn't do that at all. And I said, well, what did they do? She said, they taught us how to recognize the genuine article. And then if it don't live up to that, it's counterfeit. It's phony baloney. And I thought, well, that's pretty good. Because once you know the genuine article and what Paul's saying here, having your loins girt about, that that belt of truth, that's in the center of you. That's your center of gravity. That keeps you founded. That when the devil comes with his lies and half-truths, you can give it the old smell test and say, "Uh -uh, I ain't eating that, devil. That don't smell right. And so you're prepared with the truth. And he goes on now. He said, and having the breastplate of righteousness. You see, your torso is the biggest target on you. Oh, yeah. I was explaining this to some students a while back when we were practicing an active shooter drill. And I'm like, don't stand face on if somebody's holding a gun on you. You turn to the side. Make yourself little as possible. I told him, I said, because this is the biggest target. And so he's saying, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Oh, yeah. Because that's going to take some hits. Yes. But if you have righteousness and you know that it's founded in the Lord, it's not self-righteousness. 
it's the righteousness of the Lord, then what's going to happen is the devil's going to come by and he might hit you once or twice, but your righteousness is going to deflect it off and you're not going to be worse off. But if you don't have that, it's going to be damage. He goes on now. And he says, verse 15, And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You know, the Romans, now they knew how to outfit a soldier. One of the big things that they were most worried about, you know, they trained them how to use their shield and their little sword that they called the gladius and all of that. And they, they would have on their helmets and things like that. But they would give them these shoes that we would compare them to modern day cleats. And they operated as a unit. And those cleats were important because once you run into another unit and started pushing back and forth, you kind of needed to keep your feet under you. And they, what they were, and I've seen pictures of them, is they were really thick, hard leather soles and they drove hobnails through them. They were anywhere from an inch and a half to two and a half inches long. I'm telling you now, that's some cleats. You know, baseball says you can only have a certain kind of cleats. And they would dig in and they would push and they would keep their feet. And so Paul is saying, look, when you have the preparation of the gospel of peace, the gospel is the good news. The gospel is the fact that you were saved by the blood of the Lamb. And that keeps your feet on the ground when you're in a fight that you may not fall before your adversary. And so he said, you prepare. Have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Wherewithal, or verse 16, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Let me tell you this. You can be doing everything right. You can be a good upstanding person and still there'll be fiery darts come your way. There'll be people say stuff about you that there's not a shred of truth to. And that's when you hold up that shield of faith and say, Lord, I know you know the score and you know where I stand. And God, while that it's concerning if other people don't think right about me. Most of all, Lord, I want to know how you feel about me. I want to know where I stand with you and you've got that shield of faith and they'll fire their darts and you won't be harmed because in every instance you'll notice it's all about keeping you from falling before your adversary and in verse 17 he says and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God oh yes you go out when you go to battle, you better be armed. Be yeah. armored. And that helmet of salvation, I can tell you this. I remember years ago, the one time that I played organized football, first thing they give us was our helmet. We didn't get our pads till later. I must have, skinny little fellow as I was, I probably looked like a matchstick out there with just that helmet on. But we got used to the helmets and things like that. But I can tell you, they didn't let us out on the field and go to running into each other and play an actual football with just a helmet on. That would have been awful bad. But it had been better to have that as nothing at all. And this helmet of salvation, 
It's the first thing that goes on. And when we got saved, it was the first thing that happened to us. Uh, uh, but at a certain point, we've got to get outfitted and we've got to get armored uh, and we've got to get out there and we've got to fight. Uh, and when you're fighting, uh, don't think uh, that you're out there with your dukes up fighting the devil. What you're doing uh, is you're trying to compel lost people to come in uh, and the devil's trying to take you down. Uh, he's trying to stop you. Uh, and you'll notice now that he said the sword of the Spirit. Uh, uh, this sword of the Spirit. Uh, uh, you go out and you fight your enemy with it. And when the devil comes up, you skewer him right through with it is written. Oh, yeah. When Jesus faced Satan in the wilderness, oh, yeah. every temptation, Jesus answered with it is written. Yes, amen. It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. It is written, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God, neither put him to the test. It is written, Thou shalt worship only God, and him only shalt thou serve. Because Satan will try to negotiate. Oh, yes. He'll try to stop you. Oh, yes. He'll try to discourage you. Oh, yes. He'll do anything, any tactic that works. But Paul, I'd say if anybody was qualified to know what it's like to oppose the devil, it was Paul. Oh, yes. You remember Paul's pedigree? The things that he went through? The very fact that when he was prayed for by Ananias and the scales fell off of his eyes, he said, Brother Saul, God sent me to tell you what great things you're going to suffer for his name's sake. Suffer. Paul... Didn't become a martyr for a long time, but it wasn't for lack of trying. That's right. <laughs> they did their best to stone him to death. It oh, just wouldn't yeah. stick. It wasn't his time. He was shipwrecked. He was oh, snake yeah. bit. Fought animals in the arena. But he didn't go until it was God's time. And he knew what it was like to face the devil. He knew what it was like to stand strong. That if you were to turn back into the Corinthians, you would find where that he says, look, I run a race like a guy that wants to win. I fight like a guy who knows he's in a fight. And you're in a fight. Far too often, we go about in our daily life thinking, oh no, we're unopposed. You know, it's it's just the gospel according to the Beatles. You know that song they, they sung, All You Need Is Love. I can tell you that happy little people will come out, well, I love everybody and I love everything. And I'm like, okay, and that is a cornerstone of the faith. But I can tell you this, you're also called to fight. And you're called to hate sin. And not to love sin. You love the sinner, but you hate the sin. And you oppose it. And our adversary, the devil, yes, he's powerful. Yes, he's smart. He's a student of human behavior. And the one sin that he's not guilty of is laziness. He is not lazy. You run him off and he'll keep coming back. Every time that your back's turned, He'll slither right in. Every time that your attention wanders, He'll be right there. He gets popped in through your television, through the internet. And if He can't get in that way, He'll find somebody that'll come and knock on your door if He needs to. But I can tell you this, He's not going to win. Heard a guy tell a story on the internet, uh, uh, he, was, he was giving a testimony and he was talking about why does the devil afflict Christians so much if, if he's a defeated foe? We know his back was broken on Calvary. Jesus had condemned sin in the flesh. He'd done what the devil said couldn't be done, which was live an upright and righteous life before God without sin in the flesh. 
Jesus did that where we couldn't. That's how He has saved us with His blood. He was a perfect sinless sacrifice. And that guy said there was one instance in which that uh, he was at a pool party with some friends. And there was a couple of so-called friends that decided they were going to toss him in that pool. And he said they were big enough to do it and they'd got to drop on him. And he said, so I knew I was going in that pool. And he said, so rather than fight him off, he said, I latched on to them. <laughs> that way that in throwing me in the pool they too would be throwing themselves in the pool. He said, I wanted to take them with me. I wasn't going to escape the pool, but neither were they. And he said, and God showed him that's exactly what the devil's trying to do. He's not getting out of the lake of fire. And so he's going to try to latch on to everybody that he can and drag them with him. And if you want to make it, you don't fight him and win accidentally. I can tell you there was one or two times with my older brother, that we would have a tussle. And somehow or another, I'd win. It wasn't often. Most of the time, it wasn't even much of a tussle. But I'd accidentally win occasionally. But when it comes to going to heaven, nobody accidentally goes to heaven. Amen. We don't accidentally win. And we don't win of our own accord. We win because of the blood of the Lamb. We'll not stand there. We'll not come up and, oh my gosh, there's Abraham. And run over to Abraham and say, Abraham, how'd you make it here? I imagine he'd look at us and say, buddy, the same way you did. By the blood of the Lamb. But Abraham, Jesus didn't die on the cross until a good long while after you lived. And he said, yes, but I was looking forward to his day. I was looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. I, was, I knew that my Redeemer was alive. I just couldn't see him yet. Just like Job said. You think Job knew what it was like to be afflicted of the devil? Said that uh, Satan come after him in every possible way. And he regretted the day of his birth. But he never sinned against God. He grumbled and complained. Amen to that. I've grumbled. I've complained. I can tell you this, you know, sometimes the Lord will flip something right around on me that I'll say to a student or to one of my own kids. Just today, there's a kid, I'm teaching him about the periodic table. And I'm, this is my fifth year doing it. I'm getting pretty good at doing it. And I know what to expect. And I know how they're going to act by it. And so I was explaining a particular part of it, and I won't go into that. I explained it three times in three different ways. And then I turned them loose on a little assignment that they should have been well prepared to do. Ten seconds. Yeah, but Mr. Williamson, what about that one part? Every kid in that room turned their head and looked at that kid and said, he literally just explained that three times. And I looked at him and I said, how many times and how many different ways do I have to say it to you before it sinks in? And I was thinking about that on the way home. And the Lord said, yeah, how many times does it take you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> how many times do you have to read my word before oh, it yeah. sinks in? Maybe go back and listen to your own sermons. I've taken to recording them over the last 11 years and I've gotten to listen to a few of them. And some of them I go, oh man. <laughs> Charles Spurgeon said you should keep your old sermon notes that way you may weep over them. I've wept over a few. 
I've been able to amen a few. But I can tell you, God, a lot of times, though, He knows. I imagine He knows what it's like to be frustrated. Because that we keep going back to the thing that we shouldn't be. We quit paying attention. And He has to reteach. But man, He's so much more patient than I am. And He's so much more merciful than I am. And all this, you know, that, that uh, I've, I've talked to people about the devil lots and some will get scared. They look around and say, wait a minute, you mean he's, he's got that much power and there's lying wonders and things like that? And, and, and the Bible confirms that a lot of people oh, yeah. try to say, oh no, the devil doesn't have any power. Yes, he does. Oh, yeah. And he will empower people to perform signs and lying wonders. All the way back in the time of Moses, we saw that. Moses, he did some tricks that God enabled him to do and said that Pharaoh's guys did it too. Lying wonders and signs. Church, don't ever read a horoscope. I'm telling you, the devil will work his demons to death to try to make sure that that becomes credible to you. And that's a lie out of hell. You know who has the power of life and death? It's God only. Not some vague prediction in a newspaper. Don't read it out of curiosity. File that under H for hogwash. You see, because the devil, as a defeated foe, we need to remember where he's going to end up at. And we got to turn to Revelation for that. And then I'll be done. And here in Revelation chapter 20, and you know, I had it pointed out to me once, and of course I, I, I read it for myself, uh, that the devil is not present in the first two chapters of the Bible, nor the last two. This is the last mention of Satan in the Bible here in Revelation chapter 20. And it's uh, verse 10. And it says, "In the devil... That deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. That's it. He is beaten. That yes, he's our foe. We are to be aware of him. But if you really want to go aright, don't take your eyes off God. Don't take your eyes off of Christ. If we're following Him, it's a lot harder for the devil to get through and tempt us. Oh, don't worry. He'll still afflict you. He'll come after your family or your friends or something else. He'll do His best to find a way in. But I tell you what, Jesus said it best when He said, Look, uh, uh, fear God who can throw body and soul into hell. Don't fear man who can only destroy the body. Uh, uh, That Satan, while he may be able to afflict you, he might be able to put stumbling blocks in your path, uh, but he is still beaten. And right here it says it uh, that at the end, uh, he goes in the fire uh, and he's no longer a player in the game. He's defeated. Because the remainder of the book of the Revelation is all about heaven. You'll notice in the next verse it talks about the great white throne judgment. And there's a book that's brought out. We'll not take time to read it, but it says that those who are saved are the ones whose names are written in the book of life. And they're written in the blood of the Lamb.
Church, we need to be careful of our enemy. And he does walk about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. You keep him locked out. You don't give him a spot that if he gets in, he'll have to fight for every scrap of territory in your life. And know this, and I'll leave you with this story, and I think I've told it here before, but I think it bears repeating. Heard years ago about a woman that lived in an old coal camp. Very religious woman. She was known as one of them holy rollers. She's very Pentecostal, apparently. And uh, said that she was down one day of praying and dirt poor. She was a widow of a miner. She's praying and said, Lord, thank you for the food I have today. And tomorrow, Lord, I'd like soup, beans, and cornbread. And there was two ornery little boys hanging out near her house and heard her praying. And they were giggling and laughing. That crazy old woman. How's she going to end up with beans and cornbread unless she can go out and buy And one of them got an idea. And they said, you know what? We'll make her think that God did that. And they went around to people in the neighborhood and got donations of uh, 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 the stuff to make soup, beans, and cornbread. And then got somebody to make it. And they were giggling the whole time. That crazy old woman will think God brought this to her. And said that the appointed time come and they come and knocked on her door and set that down and run and hid in the bushes and watch it. And said she walked out, never made an expression, never said hallelujah nor nothing. Just wasn't surprised. Just picked it up, took it in the house. Sat down at her table after she dished some of it out. Bowed her head to pray. And them little boys, you know, peeking in the window. Looking at her and she said, Lord, thank you for the soup, beans, and cornbread even if you did have the devil to deliver it to (laughs) you. But that's how much more powerful God is than the devil. The devil can't stand against him. He might be able to delay. In the book of Daniel, it says now that uh, his forces uh, force opposed Michael, the archangel. But he made it. They might have slowed him down, but he got there. And the devil might stand in your path. But when you're following the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, he can't overcome him. Because Jesus said, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. But know your adversary. Because if you don't, I assure you, he studied you. And he's after you. And you better be willing and ready and able to defeat him.